and I'm very pleased to welcome our second panel of the day. And the focus of this panel is exploring why we need to adopt a unified approach to verifying education and skills. And helping me do this are our three panellists. First, Casey Thorne from Western Governors University, Megan Treadway from um, Grand Valley Next Ed Collab, and Mike Simmons from Acro. So why don't I get you guys to introduce yourselves? Um, so perhaps you could tell us what you do in the credentialing ecosystem and maybe a little bit into why putting credentials in learners' hands is so important. Mike, would you like to start? I will. Um, I work with ACRO, which is the American Association of Collegiate Registrars and Admissions Officers. And so in the name itself, you can imagine why we are involved with credentials. Registrars have been for hundreds and some years issuing credentials on behalf of institutions, etc. And so this is just a natural evolution for us moving from the old transcript to the new versions of innovative credentials. Brilliant. Megan, you're, you're next on my uh, on my Zoom page. Sure. Thank you. Uh, yes, Megan Treadway with Grand Valley State University's Next Ed Collab. Um, we are a uh, essentially like a think tank for the university, creating new pathways to and through the university through following collaboratory design principles. And so we saw this as a project worthy of looking into for numerous reasons. Um, first, higher education has a reputation for slow evolution, right? That must change, particularly at the rate of change occurring around us in the different sectors as that's increasing. To remain relevant, to continue to fulfill our mission, we must be more adaptable than we have historically. Also, it's in alignment with the type of future everyone is expecting, right? You may have heard of the term Web 3.0 or Web 3, um, which is meant to be decentralized, open to everyone, and built on top of a network of meaningfully linked data, right? And finally, because it's the right thing to do. If we had more time, we could get into a longer conversation about equity, but as an institution of higher education, our mission, right, is to prepare learners for their future. So A, we must ensure they can make sense of the learning they have undergone and show how it can be applied to the next step they desire to take in life. And B, why would we hold any of that information hostage? Brilliant. Thank you. Casey, tell us about WGU. Great, thank you. So good morning. Uh, I am in uh, California this morning, so nice and early. Uh, I am the Senior Director of Skills Architecture for Western Governors University. And we are a fully online competency-based organization. We have approximately 165,000 students currently enrolled. Um, it shifts every month, so that's a wonderful thing. For us in skills architecture and at WGU, the reason that we are really focused on skills in particular is because we believe that to be the language that can bridge the gap between employers and education institutions. And we want to make sure that our learners are, are primed with that language. So um, my work primarily in a learning and employment record ecosystem ensures that the programs that we are building, the skills are evident and transparent to our learners from a human readable standpoint, but then also from a machine readable and actionable standpoint. Yeah, and I understand your work with the Open Skills Network has largely been focused on the semantic layer. Um, I mean, maybe you could explain what that is and why it's so important when we talk about a skills-based economy and verifiable credentials. 
Absolutely. So when I think of the semantic layer, I think about it from both the machine readable as well as the human readable side. So in higher ed, we don't do a great job of helping our learners understand what their credentials actually represent in terms of the high value skills that they've demonstrated in order to earn those credentials. So um, by way of the work of WGU and the Open Skills Network, we are really championing the use of uh, open skills taxonomies. That stuff should not be um, in walled gardens. It should be open so that we're making sure that every individual has the ability to thrive and communicate about those skills. So within an LER ecosystem, we make sure all of the digital, digital achievements and records that we have have those skills embedded so that our students understand what it is and can, and can communicate about that effectively. Um, on the flip side of things, we also have to have machine readable and machine actionable. So within the digital credentials, we actually have skills represented as a tiny little data package that I call a rich skills descriptor. And within that data package, there is a lot of information about the skill and performance, about um, industry certifications, about academic certifications that it aligns to. And it's all authored in a syntax that is both machine readable and actionable so it can be consumed effectively within an LER ecosystem. And that's a, a big um, piece of the work that WGU has done and a lot of what the Open Skills Network is championing. If you don't mind, I'd like to link what Casey just said with what Megan said, and it has to do with higher education and the need to change. Higher education does not do well with skills language, and that's why the work that, that the Open Skills uh, Network and, and institutions are doing is important. Um, <clears throat> we speak, especially as registrars, in terms of grades, in terms of things that don't really translate or, or inform students about their learning. And to change these requires systematic change. You just don't go from giving a student an A to giving a full-fledged skills-based record without the help of infrastructure. And one of those infrastructures uh, that seems to head in this direction is the Velocity Network, for example. There's Higher education cannot do this internally. And so as a result, there has to be uh, ways and incentives to move into these skills-based records more so than uh, we're doing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to add to the discussion around semantics, there even exists debate from one university to another, right? Uh, when there are courses with similar titles and descriptions as to what skills have been gained. So if one of the goals of digital credentials is for learners to be able to share their achievements quickly, easily, and more broadly, that information needs to be ingested quickly and easily, regardless of where or to whom that information is being shared, right? And so institutions can no longer afford to exist in their own silo apart from each other. And we most definitely will not succeed if we are still viewed as some sort of ivory tower. So we must become more integrated in the practicalities of the world around us. And to do so, we all need to be speaking in common language and have a shared understanding. Here's to that, yes. <laughs> And Megan, um, I know one of your priorities is, is adopting a, a kind of a rapid approach to issuing credentials. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you're sort of starting, you mentioned there and touched on it, but you're starting with degree credentials and sort of building out the credentialing strategy from there. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm interested specifically, what what made you cho choose to work with Velocity to help you reach those goals? 
Sure. Yeah, um, exactly. So, I mean, any evolution like this can seem monstrous, right? <laughs> and true, the breadth of the work required should not be taken lightly. However, there are small pieces that can be done at a time and a method methodological approach to doing so, right? So breaking the process down into small bites that can be implemented rapidly helps to get the whole process off the ground in a relatively painless way and allows one to make headway on the larger project that might otherwise seem intimidating. So I reached out to Velocity because Velocity has already done a lot of work, a lot of this work for us, right? So they've taken on the work of thinking about and designing systems with common goals such as interoperability. They've also done the work of breaking down the overall process into some smaller pieces and steps and are a valuable thought partner to anyone who is wanting to take the step towards digital credentials. Um, so if you're like me and you're finding a need for expert advice, Velocity is where you can connect and learn from those who have come before you. And the, and the title of this panel is, is taking a unified approach. And obviously we, we talk about interoperability. Um, what does that mean in practice? Because I think, again, Casey, you, you've touched on it, but, you know, having a kind of very mobile approach to the way that um, people can um, use their credentials globally, where does interoperability and all of these issues come into it? And um I suppose, what are, what are the first steps that education institutions and organizations need to take in ensuring that we work in this unified way? So um, from, from my perspective, when I think about interoperability, it is so much more than just how digital achievements, credentials for our learners will port between systems. It's how can they actually effectively use those to transition from one opportunity to another. So there's the, mm. the machine piece of this. But I also think when it comes to interoperability, there's a lot of that human piece as well, making sure that um, learners are equipped with the language that they need to be able to represent their own talent brand in their most effective way that um, higher ed institutions are able to speak to one another in terms of achievements that go beyond matching course names and titles, but really understand more deeply the skills that someone is bringing to the table, both within a higher ed setting or not. And then I also think there's a lot of work to be done in terms of making credentials more interoperable for use across um, settings. So how can we let someone um, come to a higher ed environment and get credit where credit is due for those skills that they've built up across a lifetime of work and learning. So in as much as the semantic layer is a very important and critical component to that um, in a digital system, uh, there's a lot more to interoperability than I think um, a lot of us tend to uh, recognize. We use a statement um, related to interoperability. Let me Let me read it to you because I think it kind of sums up, says interoperability must support combinations of data from multiple sources, enable human interoperability, and here's the key point, be understood by people in different occupations and industries from diverse backgrounds. So it covers, and obviously as, as keepers of the systems in the institutions, we worry a lot about technical interoperability, but that's just the easy part, in my opinion, that, that can be solved, and I think Velocity has, has demonstrated some of that already it's just something that uh if you're committed to doing it the text not the problem it's the systems and the people and semantics that turn out to be the problem in case you shake your head because we've talked about this for a long time <laughs> yeah and, and presumably look i mean sorry sorry go on, Megan. 
Well, I was just going to add that, um, right, when you're implementing something, this evolutionary or this massive, right, you want to make sure it's going to be of benefit to all involved. So I don't think that it's selfish at all to think about the benefits to the institutions as well, right, in conjunction mm. with our students in the workforce. So, I mean, just think about how the shrinking number of high school graduates has been a conversation for higher education for the last several years. So for this reason, we've been trying to expand demographically right beyond your kind of traditional 18 to 24 year old students. So the conversation around degree completion and upskilling for adult learners and the need to understand the skills and knowledge that they are bringing with them is of importance on its own, much like Casey described. But additionally, advances in technology means we're no longer place bound when delivering our services, right? And our students are no longer place bound when looking for employment. So for this reason, we need to ensure our learners' experiences with us will be transferable and translatable if they are if they are to be of use to them. Um, but we must also be able to accept credential information if we are going to also expand our geographic reach for students as well. So the interoperability and then, right, just we've been talking about it for a while, this need to kind of expand your 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 world a little bit, right? And so I think that the touching on the globally mobile aspect of it is a really important piece of the conversation as well. Yeah, I'm 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 interested because as you touched on, there are no shortage of priorities that um, organisations and institutions have, and of course, sometimes when uh, something's perceived as being sort of, sort of forward thinking, I guess, and a technology, brand new technology, it can perhaps seem like oh, we we can wait and see see how see how others do it, and perhaps kind of you know jump on this a little bit later. Mike, you suggested there the technology already exists, though. I mean. In, where should it where should this rank on people's priority lists um because like you know, megan said you know there's there's the only reason many organizations will provoke change is if they can see um incentives not just for the individuals not just for students not just for learners but also for the organizations themselves so so how should they think about priorities well there's the philosophical answer to that which is largely uh falls on deaf ears it's the because it's for learners you should do it that's okay, but in the practical sense, it really is an ROI kind of question at institutions. You know, for, for everyone who, who's working in higher ed, there are a million priorities. So, Megan, at your institution, you're fortunate that, that you've chosen to prioritize this. And at Western Governors, you're fortunate that this is central to what you do. Many other organizations still have to come up to that decision and, and face it. And some of the research we're trying to do right now is what is that return on investment? Um, and what is that value added for this for the um, organization? I think that the research that <clears throat> points toward students will get jobs is incomplete. I think we're tending to focus back on what we've talked about here is value to the learner. And that does resonate with faculty. That does eventually resonate with administration. It just has to be translated clearly. And then there are a number of stakeholders in, in higher education value from this, ranging from, you know, the faculty to the, the administration to the institutional research folks, the career center. You can go on down the list of areas inside an institution who benefit clearly from this. It just it's not a sentence. It's a paragraph narrative. You, you can't just easily say it. It does take a little bit of a dialogue. And I think mm -hmm. that's that's where the work goes. Mm -hmm. I um I, again, so yes, even if 
one is not buying into kind of like Mike said, the larger societal goals of this credential evolution. Let's talk about that landscape of competing priorities. So implementing digital credentials on its own may not seem sexy or like the it thing, right? but it is an infrastructure move that has the potential to enable those other priorities. I'm a big fan of analogies, right? Especially since I don't have the tech background as I've been learning this stuff, I've been trying to like make sense of it myself. And, and I think about it as, you know, like when we went from copper phone lines to fiber, right? Like you could still do everything you were currently doing, but it, that opened up so many doors for us moving forward, right? So, so what are those priorities? Is student enrollment and recruitment your top concern? Are you in need of opening resources in terms of time, cost, and administrative overhead? Are you looking for ways to collaborate and align better with workforce sector? Are you struggling with student motivation and engagement or transfer articulation or wondering how new ways to, you know, about new ways to use data for decision making? I mean, digitizing credentials has the potential really to move all of those priorities forward to the benefit of the institution. The other thing that I will add on to that, and I love every piece of that in terms of motivations for, for the institutional perspective, um, is we know that the landscape in digital credentials is uh, very large, if not a bit unwieldy. And having the digital infrastructure to be able to do this so that your university can also make the credentials that they are issuing transparent. I think there's a, a value proposition there for um, really getting your credentials out there and known in the ecosystem. Like employers today, it's very few and far between that are out there asking for very specific like micro-credentials in this kind of new, you know, era of micro-credentialing. Um, but I think a lot of it is because they they don't understand higher ed. They're not totally clear on what a credential represents that someone can do. And I think from that perspective as well, as well it really helps with the promotion brand and transparency of your credentials um, and to get them uh, more well-known as well. What does the idea of having a single wallet mean here? Because um, I'm sort of thinking we'll have had um, like a little later some closing thoughts around um, how to turn some of this into, from theory into practice and you know had a, a demo on how somebody can actually claim these credentials and put them to use in applying for a job and demonstrating the skills. Um, I wonder, based on what you said there about, you know, what is this, just to reiterate, what is the real value of unifying this through, um, uh, you know, for example, a wallet? I mean, put it into practical terms, you know, for anybody listening, um, what value does that create where you're actually able to collect micro-credential degrees, you know, skills-based credentials in one place? And and what does that mean in terms of how quickly you could potentially apply for a, for a job and advance, advance in, in a career? Anybody want to take that one? So I, I'll take it to start. Um, I'm, I'm interested in what the other panelists have to say about this. I think that um, in my mind, it's less about centering around a singular technology or application and more around um, getting unified on a sense of principles and practices that would need to be within this system in order to verify that a credential is, is what someone says it is. 
And that's everything mm-hmm. from, you know, legal aspects to the interoperability of a credential to the um, digital verification and trust that's built in. Um, I am a proponent that if we really are going to try and get this ecosystem singing, we're going to have to have multiple wallets, multiple avenues um, for people to be able to share and distribute those credentials. Um, but there's a lot of infrastructure work that that will need to happen in order to make that day possible. And I think Velocity is doing a lot to make headway in that space. Yeah, it really should be technology agnostic, credential agnostic, all of that. Um, again, fan of the analogies. So um, I was describing it to people who, you know, this just hearing about this concept for the first time that think back to when kind of like the internet came together, right? Like how, how it started with these little pieces, these little groups working on different aspects of it and kind of blossomed into the internet as we know it today and how ubiquitous it is. But it really doesn't matter what browser you're using to access the information you know I mean you might have your preferences but there are different ways to get in there and see what you're trying to see and do what you're trying to do and I'll just pile on top of that by saying the the idea of a wallet versus the idea of a one wallet for everyone in the world that's you know that's a big gap between the two and I think you're asking sort of somewhere in between there um there has to be more than the individual credentials a student or learner earns and owns at this level, yet there's no big bucket big enough in the world to contain them all. And so what's happening with with organizations like Velocity is to try and figure out that ground of what's a a practical way that is interoperable across the globe – and, and meets the needs of both academic learners and employed learners. And I think that's the sweet spot. Um, and it, it's not easy, but to me, that's better than saying everyone in the world is going to have this one wallet kind of thing. And um, I think Velocity's done a pretty good job of, of, of not uh, kicking those tires yet. It's, it's a, good, a good plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. It's uh, why we talk about the internet of careers, um, and I think that's um, you know unifying around that that idea is is key here. Well, um, it's been really interesting hearing all of your perspectives. Really appreciate your time, and um, I know that if uh, anybody who's watching has any questions, I'm sure you're all very open to uh, people reaching out and, and connecting with you. So, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.